Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to another fabulous episode of Stories Around Azeroth. We are on episode 50 today, which means wow. next week is our anniversary episode. Yes, I know, 51, because we missed one week over Christmas. Yeah, I think that was my fault. <laughs> no, it was my fault. I felt ill that week, and okay. you were obviously on holiday anyway. But yes, that is true. As usual, I am joined by the beautiful Frasley Tastic. How are you doing, sir? I'm I'm doing great. I'm just I'm actually just like currently fan gnoming about our guest this week. I'm just like it's brilliant. I our our guest this week is Atlas of Warcraft Radio. I saw your thunder, but I got to tell you, I listened to Atlas while I was 14 while playing WoW, and I'm just like it's weird talking with you now. Meeting up, look, I'm like one of the people that uh, that has been a role model of me. I'm talking with you. That, that that's cool. I think. How are you doing, Athelus? First, of yeah, all. I'm doing great. I don't know how to follow that up. I just, yeah, <laughs> Somebody, I love that man. No, there's, there's, it's a long time ago, sixteen years now. I, I mean, I think Warcraft, Warcraft Radio means so much to so many different people over yeah. over the course of the game itself. I mean, my history goes back to Blue Please and Total Biscuit and all the way back then and just various other shows as well but um i remember being on a, yeah. a collins show uh on on, on wild radio I, I forget what the topic was but i i signed up and i, I and i got skyped in and that was like cool being sky <laughs> yeah. I, I, can't, I, I, I can't knock skype because i still actually have to use it for certain yeah. uh streams and bits and pieces did i did you just call your guest old i mean i did not, I did not call athletes old right i was just <laughs> I, I'm calling him wise and inexperienced. He's been doing this stuff longer than I have. So see there. Well, Skype. I remember when we discovered Skype could be used for that. Um, Cause before that I, I had this whole setup where I had a, a I had a, a actual phone line plugged into a little device that converted the audio to three and a half millimeter. And I had a sound card, like it was a whole setup. And then when Skype came to the scene, it just sort of revolutionized the way you could get people to participate on shows. It's yeah. crazy. It remember... surprised me if uh, someone tried to raid using Skype as well, get 40 people in one call. That would have been Oh, funny. yeah. Oh. I think it had a hard cap, didn't it, Skype Skype calls, didn't it? I don't remember. It's been so long. Been <laughs> yeah, I'm long, an old yeah. man. I don't have that kind of memory anymore. <laughs> um, for those people who uh, don't know who you are, Athelus, how about you introduce yourself to them? Yeah, sure. Um, my name is... Athelus or Ath or Gareth, whatever you know you want to call me. I've been doing content creation around WoW sort of off and on for 16 years now. Uh, it's probably been, well, starting in July, you know, we started back up. But prior to that, it had probably been 10 years since I had done any kind of content creation. Never quit playing WoW, uh, but have sort of branched out on other games, things of that nature. Um, so started Warcraft Radio back in 2004. Um, it was during the closed beta period. And got to see, you know, the first couple of years of that just be extremely successful. Uh, went off to do some career bits, sort of came back around into the group towards the end of uh, their run. And then after that, went on to do some, try to do some things around Overwatch and StarCraft 2 and, and whatnot. Um, anyway, with WoW Classic, just kind of said, hmm, should probably do, do this again, right? So ended up coming back. I don't still play Classic. I, it was very short-lived. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. But no, it's uh, <laughs> I don't really other than, you know, lifelong gamer, lifelong PC gamer. I'll be very clear about that. Um, love, love the game still and recently playing a lot of Civilization. Yeah, it's not a bad game to play, to be fair. Yeah, we, we've all, we've all got our. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like all, all sorts of that genre genre. Uh, I mean, I, I had a thought while I was uh, prepping for the show, why don't we have a Ghostbusters game that works like XCOM? Oh, because there is a Ghostbusters 3 game that was actually really good. But yeah, you're right, like XCOM. I don't think there's been a good Ghostbusters game since Sanctum of the Slime, to be honest. And even then, I think one of the better ones was back on the old Mega Drive. There was the one that I believe was, was written by Rick Moranis, that, that, or, or no, Robert, Robert Zemeckis, that it was written by... Oh, him, the new one that's coming out or meant to be coming out, yeah. No, it, it came out a couple years ago, like, like 10, maybe 10 years ago, and I, and it's one I played through once and enjoyed it. Oh, it, was like, okay. it was like Ghostbusters 3, but in video game form. I, I Yeah, that's Sanctum of the Slime. Oh, okay, okay. Then yeah, you see. I uh, no, I know the one you're talking about. It's the multiplayer one that they just recently remastered. But yes, we're here to talk about 
Azeroth goodness and everything else before we get sidetracked onto other video games. Yeah, we talk will... about Ghostbusters. Like, I love Ghostbusters 2 with the Titanic. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead, feed. You just here to ruin my life today, aren't you? <laughs> Make me record the show early. Goodness gracious me. As always, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we normally talk about what we've been up to this week uh, in the world of Warcraft in Azeroth that we call our home, Athelus. You're the guest. Have you been up to anything in Azeroth this week? Anything that's kept you occupied? Just some alpha gameplay. Um, yeah, getting looking forward to seeing what's coming out, you know, and got to do a little bit in uh, Bastion, got to do a little bit in Revendreth, a little bit of dungeon runs, uh, you know, overall just kind of exploring all the new content and trying not to spoil things too much. But um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun getting in alpha. I want to say this is probably one of the most polished early builds of an expansion that we've seen. Yeah. Um, and I think that was because they knew they were going to have a ton of streaming and content creation going in, you know, early on. So it had to look good from the very beginning. So thoughts on Torghast? Yeah, uh, did some Torghast. Um, haven't been able to get all the way to floor 72 yet. Uh, so feeling a little inadequate. Um, but between between playing Frost Mage, of course, this week they allowed uh, warriors to go in. Yeah. Um, and I main a Fury Warrior. So. Uh, been trying to trying to progress through that man. If you can get through the first few floors of that heroic or whatever uh, skill level, it's a breeze from there. But those first few floors, you got to take them slow. I think I think it's going to be very different once we actually get the true version of it. Where yeah. hopefully it'll be a proper climb from one, and it won't be broken up between difficulty levels, which I think they've just done for testing. I'll be honest I, with you. I I I was enjoying it where like I I'm I have not been able to get past easy. But like I got because like I've tried the normal and heroic and I kept just getting clobbered. But on easy when I got to floor twelve, I got some good difficulty, like some really good anima powers, and then those were all just gone. I think those would have helped me in the climb up. I think uh, I was watching Mephisto uh, stream the warrior one because he was having some early problems with the heroic version as well. And obviously, those who know Mephisto know he is warrior man. Yeah, <laughs> the warrior yeah, man. Yes. Um, he got to seventy two last night, but he was just like once he got past that first hurdle of heroic, he was just like, like it just it just felt easy and incomparable. Like, yeah. Watching watching you half health of a boss mob just by like shattering throw and charging is just insane. It's a lot of fun, and it certainly plays into the fantasy of whatever class you're playing, all the different power ups and things, and you start to think like okay, now I want this outside of Torghast, right? Like yeah. How can, how can we balance something around this outside of Torghast? The problem with the way that they've structured it today by splitting up the different skill levels is that balance-wise, it doesn't really give them, in my opinion, accurate feedback for balancing it once it goes live. Because if we know we're going to start yeah. at floor one, so by the time I get to 25, I have all these power-ups, but it still has to be difficult and challenging even with all those power-ups. I have to wonder if the eventual end thing will just be the levels that you go in on, like the different difficulty levels are going to be massive spikes. And that's why it feels a lot harder when you go into it fresh. Yeah. But obviously, as you're saying, like with all the different powers, you're going to go into those difficulty spikes. They might just tune them upwards. Maybe who knows? Um, I Hard don't know. Do. I, I honestly don't know how, they can make it harder without just swarming you with uh, against mobs, and then those with AOE tactics can just deal with those probably easier. So yeah, and with like with, with the Malrot uh, bomb, you can take out so many enemies like that. It's a huge undertaking because they've said that they're balancing it per spec, right? Not not even per class, but like they're balancing everything per spec. And how do you tune that many different? specs and then and then how do you do that combinations of them too right if i've yeah. five people with five spec the number of possibilities here like you almost have to somehow dumb down each spec to some kind of a quotient of some kind that you can balance against each other but i i do not i do not envy their their you know their stat people their their statisticians no, <laughs> i mean my, my, my question to the two of you since you're obviously both on alpha and you've obviously tested torghast is do you think it'll last an expansion hmm i think it can 
Uh, will it? I don't know. I mean, there have been there have been systems in the past where we've said, you know, how are they going to make this interesting through the whole expansion, or is it going to cap out somewhere halfway through, and then it's this thing that you might go back to occasionally, right? And I think um, when I look at the platform they've built, because remember this is really a platform they've built, and there's a lot they can do with it. So they're going to need to continually think up new quests and things to put in there, because you'll notice there were some quests, kind of routes that you could take, and things of that nature. Um, and the nice thing about all the systems they've built over the years is the way that they've made it easier for them to kind of scale things um, further. And so could it last the whole expansion? I think it could. But I guess the real question is, will we as gamers get bored of the same mechanic, right? Because, you know, you look at all the games that come out that have, they do all these expansions, but the number of people that generally buy an expansion to a game is less than the people that bought the initial game itself. It's a little bit different with MMOs, but you almost think of, okay, if you keep adding to Torias, great, but is it still Torias? So will you get guess, tired of it before the expansion ends? That's the real I, question. I, I feel like the only way they could reasonably do anything is to temper with it the same way they do the Mythic Plus system, at which point they put different uh, seasonal affixes in there. So <clears throat> yeah. season one being entry level will keep it very basic. Maybe once you get to like 70 and above, you'll get like a big seasonal affix for the more done, whatever the more raids are going to affect Mythic Plus. So like th those that'll be how they affect Torghast on top of like the standard thing is that you'll get affixes every so many levels that have changed. Yeah. How are you doing things? It's the only way I can reasonably think they do difficulty. And then maybe obviously those can change with every season that they do Torghast, which could be a decent way to tackle it, I guess. Yeah. Cause uh, Desmophistos uh, bring up season in Diablo three as an example of how to keep it engaging. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true as well. And I think if they were to add like, if they were to maybe put like a few people every so often, you got to develop some levels for Torghast. Like you develop some assets, you develop some different mechanics. If they can do what they should have done with the world quest system and really make it where it is constantly changing, I think that'll add a little bit of intrigue. Cause I enjoyed it was one time in a spider lair. Then when I died, I was back in and I was in another hall. If they can keep it changing for you, that'll yes. make it yeah more i see engaging. i see what you're saying like the environments actually change with what you're fighting against and have a different particular yeah it's like i think that'd be cool i i think i saw somebody i think it might have been preach or somebody else that mentioned like they could pretty much like stick in old raid bosses yeah in there instead of just like yeah. having the named mobs in there like which brings me on to something else that I want to like. I want to see one of the raid uh, raid dungeons from Shadlands where all of these big bad bosses, which you've taken down, have this massive grudge and be like, "These bloody champions! Let's all work together to take them down." But then, I don't know. Would you just turn around and have everybody go? It's reused content at that point, even though it's the premise would probably be really cool. It's a good question. You know, I think the system of Torgas is one thing, and then you were just talking about the setting. So I have this kind of theory, right, which is we know that Ice Crown, Citadel and Torghast almost act as sort of like a bridge to each other because we've seen the way that the towers sort of line up and then you break the barrier. What we also know is that there are a number of different worlds that send their dead to the Shadowlands. So is Torghast similarly connected to some of these other worlds, I wonder? And if it is, then I think that opens up the number of environments we can have in Torghast. Right now, a lot of the environments we're seeing in Torghast are very centered around undead. They feel like sort of ice crowning, if you will. Yeah. If, if it's connected to other worlds similarly, it's very possible they have a wide variety of environments that could introduce over time that would ultimately allude to some of these other worlds that we could potentially experience down the road. Of course, we've all sort of seen um, kind of canonly like in the chronicle where all these all the different planes and everything that exists so i'd love to see us get connected into some of those and see some environments in torgas that would, sort of it would be interesting in. uh without googling it up and actually having a look at the cosmology uh page i don't know whereabouts the shadowland like spreads out from yeah in terms of there so i might actually have to have a quick google uh for the wow cosmology map actually and there we go. one thing that that concerned me on what what you just said because back in legion we had the argus and we had the the world invasions and the idea sounded really cool that you're going to like have these worlds that you're going to go to mm -hmm. and then they kind of ended up being recycled and it did not feel like other than you just walk in here i was excited for, to be able to go to different places it it, it 
it's the execution. The islands I was excited for to be like different things, different places, and they all feel the same to me other than just the mobs. That's my criticism of it, that if it could be a yeah. little different. You're right. Islands, they did do different settings, so they were still islands. Yeah. Right? And it was still that is true. nuke yeah. everything. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at the cosmology map here, and like, obviously reality in the middle, it, they've obviously got a picture of Azeroth, but... Mm -hmm. Is that containing reality to Azeroth, or does it does it expand outwards to everything that resists within our reality plane? So, from what we know, does that include stuff from Argus, Draenor, Outland? Technically, like where does where on the dimensional scale does that fit? But then, outside of Shadowlands and the Emerald Dream, we've got the six elemental planes, you know, which include decay and undead, which we've not really stepped into. Because on the opposite side, we've got the Wild Gods, which is how they leech into Azeroth through the Emerald Dream. So it'll be interesting to see how outwards they go. Because past Wild Gods, Titans, Burning Legion and Undead, you've got Nature, Disorder, Necromantic and Arcane. And then it goes even further out from there. My question is, is that if the Burning Legion specifically is on the outer plane outside of the Elemental Ones with Wild Gods, Titans and Undead, mm -hmm. how are they seeping in? Other than just being in the, uh, what's it called? The Twisting Nether that's essentially space. Or is space different to the Twisting Nether as we know it? Great questions. You know, you wonder. Uh, I believe like Argus is part of the reality plane, for example, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a separate plane. It's just another world within reality. And so, you know, my, my theory could be a little flawed in that maybe a lot of these creatures are actually just coming from different worlds in the reality plane, right? Maybe they're not coming from other planes. Um, we haven't really seen any sign within Shadowlands yet of anything that came from some of these other planes. Like everything so far feels like physical creatures that have come here from, you know, whatever world they passed away in, but there's no burning legion. There's no, but then you, but then there is some, you know, play with nature and the wild gods, right? I, I so. think, I think by looking at the cosmology, we look at it as a very flat, sense rather yeah. than fluid like right. like everything between um the elemental plane which we've only really seen in deep home essentially and the the firelands themselves as these elemental planes because we've never really been to the proper uh water plane which we were meant to do back in cataclysm in a raid dungeon type form um but there's so much there that's meant to be seen and it's going to be interesting to see how they do it um but I think they're playing it very safe by saying this is a dimensional plane that's there. We're going to visit it, but here's a lot of stuff which feels very similar to what you already know. Hence why... Um, uh, is it Maldraxxus, the one that looks like they've just got all the architecture from Nax? Yes. Yes. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of undead sort of feel, if you will. Yeah. So... I mean, we've got we've got a lot represented. We've, in fact, if we look at the four, I'm just curious if this lines up. So the four main forces, right? You got the light, well, six. You got the light and the darkness. You got yeah. life and undeath, and order and disorder. And you can almost line several of those up to zones in the Shadowlands. You've got life is certainly Ardenweald. Um, order is certainly uh, Bastion. Undeath is probably Maldraxxus, right? Um, Revendreth, I don't know. So I wonder if they're going with aligning zones to different polar polar parts of the cosmology. In which case, if we can line one up to each, then that probably means a couple new zones that we haven't heard about yet will have to match up with the others. And that yeah. would kind of point to Shadowlands being sort of a nexus point for all afterlife for all of these different. True. Uh, I mean, who knows the way the direction is going to turn with the giant sword and Silithus if they actually decide to do something with that. That could, right. who knows, we could see that lead into the whole disorder plane, you know, and we could have another burning, burning legion themed like fell expansion that way. More like green. They open it, for, yeah, more green. <laughs> A whole expansion of green rather yeah! than that. But it'd be interesting, you know. The the biggest thing that's come out um, with a recent interview with. Uh, Ian, I, I, the name escapes me. It wasn't Sloot that did one recently. It was, was somebody him. else. Yeah. Mm. Was that the Shadowlands has its own version of the Titans for that plane? Oh. That was the biggest, that was the biggest thing that. that screamed out to me. Um, nice. Yeah. So 
it's interesting where it sits below the Titan plane, but it's also, yeah, thank you, Zoltan. Thank you very much. Um, but it also has its own sort of pantheon that exists within its own uh, cycle of the sphere as well, which I don't know. Obviously, Chronicle becomes outdated how Blizzard decides to move the law for a continuing game. It would be, I guess this is the problem with having Warcraft as an MMO rather than Warcraft as standalone games, you know? Sure. Well, and they were saying that the Chronicles are from the Titans' perspective. and but they're I, not written by the Titans. That's the thing. That's what makes it interesting. And, and, and they said that, I think Ian was kind of hinting that there could be a, a lie in the Chronicles, that we that there's stuff that, we, that we've been deceived. Uh, I, guess, I guess the biggest way you could turn around and say is that it's the same way that Diablo, a lot of Diablo stuff is written from the viewpoint of Deckard Cain. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's always... I, I like the idea that Chronicles is basically some priest somewhere mind visioning a Titan and going, ah, I know everything you've done. And they'd be like, I your eyes. <laughs> exactly. And then they just write a book based on it. Interesting. Well, that, that was a lot. That was more in depth than I was thinking. Mr. Frasley, what have you been up to this week, my dude? I know you've been getting back on the iron train. After yes. We had Nisi on last week. Because uh, uh, Nisi really encouraged me to get back into wild challenges. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my fifth tune. I've just been scared to get back in. And I, when the classic came out, that took my time. And then I just kept filling things up. So I took my uh, Tarn and I am now up to 31. And I was going to keep going Wednesday. But internet started acting weird. And Raz was like, nope, you should stop now. <laughs> and I'm like, good yeah. idea. Because I had a few times I'm like, my internet's like lagged. I'm like, no, 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 no. But I was able to get through, and like I, I had somehow, fra I got frazzled beforehand, and I spammed like one of my shields, and that saved me on the internet outage. Yeah, I mean, as I've told you before, you just need to keep calm when you're doing yes. Iron Man, um, and that's been helping me a lot recently. Like I've been a lot, I've been thinking a lot more. Like I'm, I, I've got a new phrase: withholding judgment. I will hold on the mobs that will flee. Judgment has been working perfectly to get them before they go get another mob. Interesting. You're enjoying the paladin, though. Is the paladin the paladin your class of choice now, keeping you a little bit safer? Yes, and I actually think that until I get to 120 or 60, depending on how long it takes me to do the iron, I might actually keep the Taran paladin as the one I, I roll. I'm not planning to have this one die, but it could die. But I like the war stomp. The war stomp has you, you reminded me of the war stomp many times. That has been very helpful because they stunned all enemies in my area. And I like doing something that I've not done horde quest enough. It's kind of nice being different than my normal level. I, I guess that's the problem with being an alliance main, isn't it? Like you'll have a you'll have a horde all just so you can get your achievements for, for doing the story, but you know, you're not really there's always this stuff. I think we had the we had a conversation again, going back to Mephisto's stream last night. It was just like you really like Thousand Needles pre Cataclysm. And I'm saying I hated it. Even back in classic, I'm I glad like the they, raceway. I'm glad they drowned it. I'm glad it got underwater. But I wanted to go racing around. I wanted to be speed racer and all that. <laughs> uh before we move on to what I've been up to this week, you've had a bit of luck this week, haven't you, my friend? Yes. Uh so Lich King uh ran twice. And uh, one full clear by myself, and then Cap had a lockout, and so Cap t took me through ICC again. No invincible, but I decided on the whim after my ICC to go to Dark Swell Marsh, go to a little lair that like with this dragon that hasn't been relevant since uh, since uh, vanilla. I, I, I walk in, and all of a sudden, that Nixia's drake dropped. Wow, it nice. It took me by surprise, and I've gotten both the people that are happy for me and the people that are jealous, the people that are angry at me. I'm just like, so I've gotten everybody's uh, emotions. I mean, I, I don't know why anybody can be jealous, I'll be honest. Like, it's something that's existed in the game for Wrath, I think they really brought in Anixia. Well, I'm finding people that have been trying for a long time, like one person has been trying 1,400 runs, and they have not gotten it. And if you've me done 1,400 runs on Anixia and not had that thing drop, I feel bad for you. Yeah. You're cursed. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 something about that that's just you cursed. But it's really funny because you you put out a clip of of uh, you after it dropped, and you just because you've never you don't you don't really get a lot of these mount drops, do you? No, I I've gotten the infinite time reaver, which and the uh, blue Proto Drake, the blue Proto Drake after six runs. Sorry, that that, that, that I don't care about the, the the time reaver. I do. You keep rubbing it in every chance you can get. <laughs> I mean. 
I gotta, I, I gotta do it before I run out of time. So I mean, it's. <laughs> well, I'll get it eventually. We'll yes. One day. But yeah, I, I don't typically get it, and I just, I, I didn't think I was gonna get it. You know, just running a next year real fast before I had to go on to another, another event with, with Michael, and then all of a sudden it drops. I'm like, did I just, did I, and like, I, my phrase of the night was wow, multiple times. Yeah, it, uh, the the first the first the... <laughs> sorry, it's just popped up on the stream. Um, yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> it is is pretty cool. Um, Good it, job, buddy. Those 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 mounts that you always get for the first time, the ones that you've been farming for a long time, when they drop, you always have that that sense of wow, this is amazing. And it's just like it's like if you you do anything in heavy armor game and you just get that rare percentage drop or something like that. It's um, yeah, it's it's generally decent. It's a lot of fun. So congratulations to you, my friend. Oh, thank you. And now I can finally leave that 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 behind. I don't, I won't go back unless there's some transmog I absolutely need because I've got plenty of other mounts I got to farm. That's that's also the best thing about mount hunting is that you can just tick something off your list. Yes. When I when I managed to knock off Throne of Thunder. And Mogashanvolts, uh, the the sigh of relief that washed over me for not having to farm those for mounts anymore was immeasurable. I was hearing uh, Ali's re relief on uh, Dunfables. She just got the the um, Drake of the Four Winds. Oh yeah, the the rare, the new one. Yeah, I haven't been I haven't really been farming the new stuff myself yet. Yeah, she she went into just on on a whim while she's over in, in Oldham, and she 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 did it all. And I was like, and she 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 was relieved to have that. So just. For my knowledge, when was the first time you ever ran Anixia, like for real? Ah, uh, oh, I ran that back in classic. In vanilla, I think. Yeah, yeah in vanilla. Yeah, like <clears throat> I did. I uh, I didn't really do any level sixty rating on content um, because I only got sixty like a week after TBC came out. So okay. my first rating experience, I think, was at sixty two in Zolgrub. But then Better Crusade was when I started leveling alts and everything else. And I went and got, I think my first alt was like a Draenei Paladin. And I went and did a next year for the, the original Quelsara. Yeah. The original Quelsara and did that. We got to put the sword in the ground and get her to breathe over it and everything else. Mm -hmm. and the whole chain. That was fun. Doing that back in the day was a lot of fun because you still needed a group back then for it because mm, that was I a lot of fun. I remember being uh, burned by Anixia in the keep many times as a well. I I learned after the first few times whenever whenever I hear that RP stay away from the keep. Though then on classic I got burned by it. I can't recall if I actually did Anixia when I was in vanilla. I remember a lot of my guild did it, and I think I helped somebody on on an attunement run for Anixia. But I I was more molten core. Yeah, so I was a raid leader in vanilla, and in addition to doing the Warcraft radio stuff, and it was uh, getting. 40 people to get their anixia scale cloak i can imagine yeah it was it was crazy yeah if they're my my so here's my funny story about anixia so i had a very brief period of time where i was a game master at blizzard uh, after leaving warcraft radio and one of here's a story from azeroth so there was a bug uh with the attunement and this is in two this is in 2006 there was a bug with the attunement where you the alliance were not able to uh, get attuned very often and so what would happen is now if you've i don't know if either of you have done the attunement on the alliance side in vanilla or classic but there's a there's a situation where uh you realize that lady katana prester is actually anixia and you have to basically call her out in the throne room and when you do that there's a scripted event where all the guards turns out their dragon kin they turn into dragon yeah. kin and then there's like an attack scene that goes on. Well, what was happening in 2006 is it would periodically bug out where they wouldn't turn anymore. And then so nobody could actually complete the quest. Um, but after a server restart, the first person to go could get it done and then it wouldn't reset for the next guy. Reset for another week. Yeah. So I, I vaguely recall seeing that because I think one of the, the first things you ever see, there's like a very old, really bad FPS four by three version of like the first person who ever got to see it. And it's just like, it's like the big, I think it's like one of the biggest lore moments in, in like vanilla. Wow. 
It was. It's like finding it, finding because you all the way through vanilla questing, you're always going back and you're talking to her and she's sending it she sends you off to Red Ridge and everything else. Yeah. And then you go back and you and she's go weird. through this. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's something off about her the whole time. <laughs> you know? But you don't you don't really think about it until you eventually go on this quest chain through uh black rock depths and you do the whole escort quest which god i did that so many times like for myself and helping other people and then it's just like the big revelation of the fact that she is anixia it just blows your mind the first time you see it and i, I don't i don't think there's been a big lore moment to that that degree of like a big reveal i'm thinking now <laughs> i'm thinking like don't, don't get me wrong there there are there are big points like um i think there's a lot of things that work in retrospect like where they've changed kalthas to always have been working with the legion since warcraft 3 like okay it's the heel you know, turn you're looking yeah, for the heel yeah, turn right the heel turn yeah. yeah but it's just like i don't think there's been uh, and it might be just due to the fact that vanilla classic wow is like your leveling staple like of how you're introduced to the game and then you get that big introduction to like look it's a black dragon black dragons are bad yo you've learned this after going to red ridge and going through like that side of the map black dragons are bad and it turns out she's been a black dragon all along and i don't i don't think there's been a really big i mean sylvanas is kind of a big deal yeah but that that's over multiple expansions though yeah like yeah i and uh, maybe Garrosh to an extent, but that's again say, it's a story that's taken part over several expansions, and even with Cataclysm, they they really messed up in how they told the story in a couple of different places. Sure, yeah, I would agree. Would would losing Varian and Vol'jin be uh, or that that wasn't surprising? Ah, oh, the Game of Thrones moments. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's kill our heroes. Yeah. How many, like, we didn't just lose those two. We lo I think Ysera. Ysera was a big plot moment. I think Valsharar was really well told in Legion in, yeah, terms, I, of the, in terms of the lore moments it did. I, I, I was talking with um, my friend Vel and uh, and then Lady Emma talking about how really we're, we're creating our, our leaders to be the, the, the new team now. I mean, like, like we've killed off a lot of the older people and it's a new generation. It, it, we're, we're rising up. It's the Teen Titans. I think we talked about this a while back where we actually looked and saw how many mainstay characters from Warcraft 3 existed in the main game anymore. And we're literally down to Sylvanas and Jaina, essentially. Is that it? Well, was was Thrall in Warcraft 3? Thrall was in Warcraft 3, yeah. So th yeah, but okay. he's not really the mainstay character. He's not really, no. Right? I agree. Yeah. I We're mean, allowed to you retire. Say, you know, you can say the same about... Oh, true. I mean, you could say the same about Vol'jin. Like, he's going to have a big thing in um, yeah. going forward now. But there's there's not a lot of the, the big characters left anymore. And like, Juan Samdi, I still think, is going to be bigger. Because he's been in in the history of WoW. Not, maybe not Warcraft well, 3. That's that's an interesting thing that you bring up. Because they, I, I believe, again, this goes back to the Zoltan interview. Where they turn around and Ian's gone that... Bon Samdi's going to have a bigger role than was originally planned in Shadowlands because of how everybody like jumped him. to the reception. Oh, yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> You've come to... to uh, uh, I can't even do his line. His, his voice actor is amazing. My favorite as a warrior is when I die. He goes, all that armor didn't help you much, did it? I like, I like, yeah, I, I like the stuff where it's just like, if you're a death knight, you've got the stench of death around your man. And then Demon Hunters is like, hey, you go away now. <laughs> I don't want you here. I'll see you soon. Real soon. Bon <laughs> Samdi's pretty good. There, there's a lot coming. Um, it's hard to talk about what's coming without spoiling stuff because there's a lot of stuff that's out there that hasn't been stated directly by uh, Ian, any of the other devs, or you know, that's already in the alpha. So we're going to stray away from a lot of that because... The, the people people come and watch it and listen and they don't want to get super spoiled because they're still casually waiting for Shadowlands and they, yeah. a lot of people won't won't touch it until it's in their palms which I yeah. absolutely get even in Alpha I'm not playing for the story I, I I'm, I'm kind of bypassing the story in my mind because I want I want to enjoy it firsthand yeah. but I'm yeah. just going through That's and fair. seeing which doesn't always help me because there was a few times like you like that 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 dredger that that, that bugged out on me because I I did not 
read the quest decks. Yes. yes One thing do. they announced at BlizzCon, just back to Von Somni, though, that I am really excited about, I want to go to Dada side. I, that's going to be an awesome dungeon, I hope. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's gonna. I, hopefully it'll be as cool as the More of Souls, you know? Because that was a really cool dungeon when it was shown at BlizzCon and then... <laughs> Because it was the way it was told at BlizzCon is like you're on the ship, it's going through the the you know with the souls of the damned, and it's just like I don't think it lived up to expectations. I think mm. more souls, especially with how and I think the way Mythic Plus worked in Legion had a big thing to do with that. But um, it'll be interesting to see. What have I been up to though this week? Well, other than you know, I'm still working on getting all of my characters up to about four four five item level. Which is a lot, but I want to try and get them at least ready to not get squashed in Shadowlands, judging by all the people I've seen with pre-maids at item level 80 getting absolutely mushed into the floor. <laughs> um, but yeah, trying to get them to 445, I think that's a decent item level to go for. Like my main's at 474, it doesn't have any problems. So I've done doing some Alt Mythic Plus. Uh, otherwise, I've just been abusing the rep buff for not what it was intended for. Since I already have all the allied races unlocked, I've been going back to Legion to get my Paragon mounts. Woo! I've got two of the three fail crushers. I got the the Nightfallen rug today. But finally, the biggest thing I'm happy about is I finally got the little donkey from Arathi. Nice! <sighs> so the only one I'm missing from Warfronts now is the Frightened Kodo, which is... It's going to remain one of those ones that is like the TLPD and it's going to be when I'm working on a big fucking project and I can just sit AFK until my buzzer goes off with it. Otherwise, it's not been that bad. I've just been doing Mythic Plus when I can. I think I'm going to be doing some after the raid is... Uh, after the raid? After the podcast is done. But yeah, done raiding, just enjoying my free time. But unfortunately, with no raiding and only relying on like the group Mythic Plus every now and again... I've been feeling the pinch of not talking to people during lockdown. It's it's getting uh, to you a little bit. Yeah, I hear you. It's it's honestly been a lifesaver for me having the Warcraft radio guys to go and play a game, just do game nights with and stuff like that. And, you know, some of them are on furlough in the UK and all that. So it's, they got lots of time to play now. So I've been having fun with that. But if it wasn't for that, yeah, it'd be, it'd be rough. Yeah, I absolutely. I, I've the uh, streams and like I and, like I hop into voice chat for for a while with with people and and that is like I, because I'm an introvert and I get people uh, like talking with you it, it it fills me up but like I'm able I, I don't need people to be in my physical vicinity to to get yeah I, I I'm I'm in that case where I'm not super introverted and I'm not super extroverted but I still but I'm a social I'm, we're all social creatures yes. at a base level. So I find that streaming has definitely alleviated that when you're just talking to your audience because you always feel like you're talking to someone yeah. other than just watching Netflix and just talking to yourself and yeah. just slowly going mad. Though, what was I doing? I was doing something and I actually started commentating while I was doing it. I mean, I realized that the streaming mentality of talking <laughs> has started permeating <laughs> stuff. That's funny. That's stuff. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we don't really have a main topic to talk about this week per se, but I do want yes, to bring up one thing. Uh, so, so Atlas, I, yeah. I have to say, I, I have really liked that you have started the trend of devs talking with content creators because <laughs> I, I can't take credit for that. I mean, I, I guess, yeah, I can take credit. Okay, you're right. Um, so what do you what do you, what are you specifically? Okay, you're obviously referring to the interview. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like since then I've seen them go on more streams, and the, the, my biggest issue with like the the earlier like they would have like the 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 Q and As or or like the talking, and they'd always felt a little bit less. It felt more sterile. Whereas this, it feels more like you're you're talking. Obviously, you have to like give questions ahead of time so that way they they can go through it. But it's not. No. Oh. No. Nope. Absolutely not. Yeah, we uh, we kept the integrity on this one through the roof. So um, pretty much I reached out to our contacts at Blizzard. Um, I was already going to be in Southern California for uh, another work event for my for my day job, if you will. And, um, you know, this was during the race to world first, which Warcraft Radio was doing a lot of coverage on. Uh, we had a whole team that was putting out almost daily videos uh, of what had been going on, what had transpired. And our goal was, you know, people that were working, we wanted them to be able to come home, sit down five, 10 minutes, be caught up on everything that had happened that day if they didn't have time to watch 16 hours of streams. And so because of that, we were really close to the action. We knew what was going on. Uh, we knew all the issues that had come up and there were quite a few. 
Um, a lot of it had to do with the fact that Blizzard and Ian talked about this, that they don't really have the systems to support um, the, you know, things happening in the moment, if you will. They've always yeah. had sort of direct contact with the guilds that seem to be doing well. But the level of transparency that's needed for an event like this that has suddenly gone to where there's 100,000 people plus at some times watching it, like, I don't think they were ready for that. And I also think Blizzard has been very open about the fact that sometimes they're a little bit slow to adapt to changing conditions, if you will. So it was a long shot. I just said, hey, I'm going to be there. Can we do this interview? Yep. Okay. Well. I think it's a, a big thing about, you mentioned about changing changing environments and i think uh streaming uh, podcasting has definitely come back in a big way especially vidcasting um it's, de it's definitely come along in ways where it was not at when the game launched you know uh, we've often we've often uh everybody has talked about uh like warcraftmovies.com and everything that got posted in the very early days of youtube and like because justin tv wasn't even a big thing back then yet yeah so because because nobody really had the the way to stream content and that was why machinima was such a big thing because everybody was creating content and it got put up on the youtube in the very early days of youtube up on warcraft movies it's it's and so we're now at the point where Obviously, you can reach out to a dev if you're known in the community for them to obviously, as you did, have a sit down chat with them in person or as like Sloot and Zoltan have done. They've chatted while they've been talking about uh, Shadowlands, which is good. It's a very good way of getting the devs to communicate whether and I think a lot of people don't understand that sometimes you don't need to have pre questions, although I think it helps in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think they prefer to get them ahead of time, um, but we just didn't <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. because you want you want the reactions right and if they've been if they've ha if they have their finger on the pulse of the event then they'll already have the answers ready and ian's obviously a very eloquent person that puts a lot of thought into these topics and so he's ready with you know answers to questions just like he did on salute and zoltan discussions um you know and, and I, the other thing i like that blizzard's doing is that they're trying to put more people out in front so not just Ian anymore, right? Like they want to start getting some exposure to some other folks that may be a little bit, because I mean, even Ian is a couple steps removed from doing the day-to-day -day in their design, right? And so in some cases you want to hear from some of these other voices and I like that. But yeah, it's clearly the, not being conceded, but just the level of response that people gave to this interview and the comments on the YouTube um, page were all about, how this was like the most open and transparent they've ever seen a WoW developer be. Like it wasn't a rushed media interview at an E3 or something like that, or a, you know Gamescom or whatever. Um, and since then, yeah, you're getting more more of them on streams and all that. So I'd like to think that there was a shift in mentality where now they are looking for opportunities to get ahead of things, right? Instead of waiting to respond and focusing on the work, now they're thinking, okay. What could the community's reaction be to this? All right, let's put someone out in front of it before it becomes an issue. Because in this day and age, like people react. And within 72 hours of a top streamer saying they don't like something, a huge portion of the community like may not like it. So if they can get in front of that and head it off at the pass, because the only people that the only people that people want to hear from more than some of these top content creators is the developers themselves. So they should take advantage of that. I mean... Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you see the information that uh, both from top streamers and from uh, content creators and yeah, when the, the devs are on these interviews themselves, you literally see Reddit fill up as the information gets released. 100%. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I... So it, it's, it's very weird. Sorry, Fraz. Um, but it's, it works as a big, horrible echo chamber at times because hmm. once the information is there... Like, yeah, it gets said, but not everybody will watch a YouTube channel. But those people that don't watch YouTube or see the Twitch clips might read Reddit. So that information gets to them. Right. And all it takes is a little bit of information for them to just slightly agree with. And then they'll communicate to their guild buddies who don't watch Asmongold or see the stuff that comes up on Reddit from an Asmongold stream or from the Zoltan don't read Wowhead because they stray away from spoilers. But just that one person. And then it just spreads, you know, communication right. wise. And it becomes a, it can become a horrible echo chamber at times. 
Well, it's great case in point on that. I don't remember what the topic was, but I feel like Ian was on the interview with Slute. Slute asked him a question. Within seconds, you have the Twitch stream flooded with garbage mechanic. This is shit. Blah, 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 blah. And then Ian immediately responds to it and chat just suddenly changes in his favor. Like, boom. Like, okay, this is why they've got to be out there. Because if they're not, then the last thing they hear is the streamer saying the negative thing. But if there's someone there that can like immediately head that off with why, like the reason why. And you saw some of that in the, the interview that I did where in the comments are like, I don't agree with their decision to not line up the regions so that they all release the content at the same time, the new raid content. But after hearing him explain why, I understand. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the kind yeah. of thing you want to see. I, yeah, it's stuff. I, th I think it goes to the fact that Blizzard does listen, but they don't always respond. And, th and th that can be good and bad because if, if they respond, people will hold them to their word. But if they don't respond, they look like, they look like they're not listening. I think a big part of that and a big problem with that is as Ath has said, like it's a different mentality than where they were 10, 15 years ago to where we are now. And because nearly everybody has had some relation with world of Warcraft in some way, they look at any other game dev that will, if it's because obviously between the different pillars of an indie game to a massively triple a one, and they'll turn around and they'll use Blizzard's response as a basis because that's what they've seen for so long. So if a game dev immediately responds on this, this thing has just come out of their game and the dev responds to it like that, they'll turn around and go, oh, I wish other game devs I know of games I've played would respond like this and everything else. And it's maybe it's just changing that around from their thing, as you've said, that is just going to change the way that people look at the devs themselves because... To a grand amount of people, like uh, a game dev is a faceless thing, a faceless entity until we see people like Ian and you know, all the other game devs that you said they're bringing to light. But then everybody always forgets that it's not always them that makes the major decisions and it comes down from the levels that's above them, which are the true faceless identities as well. But these guys have to take the slack because they're being the face of the company. Yeah, and... One other like thing I think changes it is back in 18, I, I got the opportunity to speak with John Stats. And I think by having somebody that's not a developer and not working with them on whatever the thing is, it feels more like the community is talking to them. And I think even the developer feels more relaxed. Like I, 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 when, I, when I talked with John, he felt more relaxed because he was talking with me. And, I, and like on these interviews, they seem more relaxed. And I think it it's, whereas... When it's the the two talking to a video with no feedback, you feel you feel much more. You have to be on guard. The thing that I, as a developer would frustrate me. So I did a I did a brief stint working for Sony Online Entertainment. I had to represent. Um, had to I enjoyed I represented a a game called Vanguard Saga of Heroes that yeah lasts longer than a few years. I was a designer on that. Um, and you get people that come by and talk to you from the media that don't really play your game that extensively, or they've only heard, you know, little things here and there. And so you're trying to explain the basic premise to them. But when you get someone that comes to talk to you, like the best interview for me at E3 was when I had a guy that came up that had like one of the only podcasts about our game at that point. And I'm like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. This is fun. Now I get to actually discuss something with someone that understands what I'm saying. And that was a lot better. And so I think that's also part of their strategy here is they don't need to go talk to the PC gamers of the world or anything like that. I mean, those are great publications that cover games at large and I might discover new games that way. But if I want to really get into the meat of it and address my audience, which is people that actually play WoW consistently on a regular basis for years and are collectors like you guys and or big raiders and things like that, then I need to go direct to the people that actually cover this thing on a regular basis. I think I think there's a nice middle point because you're still going to want to go and talk to the big publications to be like, especially when a new expansion launches rather than a patch. Yeah. Because the way you're going to get the new players in is to buy the expansion rather than... Sure. Like the, because the big guys will always, like your polygons, your PC gamers and all that will always turn around and go... Warcraft's big patch is coming out. This is what it's looking like it's going to have and everything else. Because they those guys won't report on the PTR, whereas your Wowhead and like everybody else that's in the community you yeah. know, will always look at the information that's coming out and report on it. That's why, <clears throat> uh, that's why there's a big thing of learning to trust the content creator that you appreciate. You know, the ones that you watch and trying to find the ones 
that you want to understand because there's a lot of there is an absolute ton of wow content creators out there like yeah you know you could you could literally go on youtube and you could fall over between the small ones which are literally reporting like they're data mining the the tier sets and just reporting on those and just putting those out there to the wow heads which is showing you their data mining as they go to the people that are playing on the alpha and showing you all that loads of different ways and people do content creation in different ways you know yeah. where they where they look at everything but you've got to find the ones that you trust because and by trust i'm not saying has an opinion that agrees with yours you want to find ones you want to find a content creator that is going to give you a good heads up on what's going on the stuff that might be outside of your normal field of vision you know that will go that will be looking at all the places that you might not do report on it but report on it with a level head and not reporting it on on a way that is like i don't like this mechanic but as, if they turn around and go I don't like this, but here's how I think they could improve it. It's someone that I'm probably more going to listen to. And it's why it's a big problem with YouTube content creation, especially with the way that YouTube works nowadays is that drama is the big way to get your clicks and everything else. Yeah. So you'll see. And I mean, it's been, it's a big thing to hate on devs anyway, because it's going to get your clicks by being more hate filled, even though you possibly don't feel that way, but it comes across in a bad way because then people who will mindlessly listen to you as a content creator will then get that mindset. And then that mindset, as we said earlier, trickles down onto everybody they talk to. Yeah. Yes. Getting eyes on content. Uh, people tend to, you know, the average amount of time somebody watches a YouTube video is about 30 seconds or less, a lot of times less than that. So it's just getting them to click on it to begin with. And then there's all the strategies around getting them to stay on your video. Right. So yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I think once you've got but, your but, channel established, you don't have to do that as yeah. much, but it can be really hard in the beginning. Absolutely. So. You'll, you'll see a lot of drop off anyway um, for people because eventually that's what you get known as. And that's what people try. They try new stuff. They try, mm -hmm. uh, they try being very nice about things and pointing out the good things, but you often find that the good videos uh, out uh, do not outweigh the bad ones. And often a lot of things are around there. Um, yeah, I think we're coming up to about our hour if there's anything you want to drop in before we call it a day yeah I, just as a parting thought um i will gauge the interview that i did as a success if when the first raid tier comes out in shadowlands we actually see a coordinated here's how we're going to communicate directly with the community now i don't think that they need to go on somebody's stream necessarily but they need to have a structured way of responding to things within 24 hours of them happening so that people know what's going on and that might mean gotcha. yeah. going on the complexity stream it might mean going on the method stream hopefully it means going on warcraft radio you know i don't know but they've got to be out there in front of it and that that'll be the real measure of success these interviews they're doing right now are great but you know the purpose of mine was what are you going to do around the race world first so i'm hoping to see yeah, that no, absolutely and i feel like we will I, I i feel like we will so Yep. it's probably before we call it a day there is there's a it's probably a contentious question and everything else but i'm not going to ask you whose stream i thought was better but what i will ask you is something that happens in my guild when they were watching it this year now a lot of people were watching the specific limit streams not the commentary ones the the actual ones maximum with the game. yeah primarily like uh, do you prefer the commentary based streams or do you prefer listening to the games with uh to the actual uh yeah the comms yeah that's a great question so i would tell you first of all that i had about seven streams up at a time um in fact to the point where comcast uh hit me up and said hey you went over a terabyte of bandwidth this <laughs> so because i was streaming uploading videos editing doing multiple revisions and watching like seven streams at a time so and my wife was watching Netflix downstairs a lot. So there, you know, between all that, it totally overloaded my, my bandwidth limit. I didn't even know I had a limit because I, I have gigabit internet. So I'm like, but um, no, in terms of, I think there's different feels. So for example, like uh, anytime there were a couple of hosts on the method stream that when they would go on, I would listen because they're funny as hell. <laughs> like I was just not, not in a bad way, in a great way. Like, like yeah. I loved, you know, S fan goes on there and just like jokes around or whatever. Right. So just a couple of those guys. So that's, that can be fun. 
but there is a lot of dead time on a 24 hour stream, right? Yeah, there's no, a lot of time true. where, okay, well now it's 3 a.m. and methods of sleep and now there's guilds that aren't doing as great. And so there's, it's hard to do uh, the right way. For me personally, I probably spent more time with the audio turned on on Maximum's commentary, uh, or listening to voice comms. And there was a lot that I learned from that. There was a lot of just, you know, inside jokes the way that they act and they cut up with each other was a lot of fun. I I don't know for a fact, I don't believe, I could be totally wrong, but I don't believe that Methods comms are as funny and entertaining to listen to. I get the feeling they're a lot more serious business, but that's just the perspective I have. I hope we, that we Method never will, hear it, do we? I hope so. that Method will consider opening it up this next time around. Because um, I would love to, I think if they did, there would actually be more people listening to their personal channels than there would be watching the main method stream. And so that might be one of the reasons that they don't do it because they're trying to build up that channel, uh, which they've done a great job of doing so far. They still keep things going in that, but I think people literally just tune in for the world first stuff and everything else. Um, what about, well, I mean, they've had some good stuff, um, you know, not to the hundred thousand plus, but you know, a successful channel like that only needs a few thousand to start off no, with. And I mean, they've got, they're on right now with Path of Exile with like 3,700. That's great. You know, that's, yeah, that's, all, that's all they need amazing. to get going. Yeah. So, that, I mean, they do totally non-WoW stuff. Like they did a Final Fantasy race that did. Really I loved well it. Too. I loved that. Yeah. As someone that dipped into Final Fantasy 14, that was really yeah. good to see. It was, it was a little bit of a different ballpark and everything. Absolutely. Else, so. But what did you, what do you prefer? Comms or, or commentary? It's, it's really weird because... With the recent, well, with the recent uh, RTA uh, race to world first, I don't know why I tried to abbreviate it there. Um, I mostly listen to the method one because there's more mm -hmm. commentators I've heard of. Yeah. So I was there for preach and bay, and it's good stuff. You, you, you comment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Your commentators only work as well as who they're working, uh, who they're working against. Mm -hmm. So or working with, I should say, rather than against. And like preach generally will work with. Whoever he's with, they'll have great conversations. He's good at figuring out the chemistry and, and acting accordingly. I agree. Bay, Bay's really good. And having Preach and Bay together is is really good. Awesome Every combo. time I dropped... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, every time I dropped into the, the Limit one, because I didn't know who these guys were, I didn't feel like that was that invested in what they were saying. But it was, huh. it was sometimes worth dropping into it to see what it, but it's it's the same like i i watch s fan stream whenever i can there's a lot of people you know a lot of guys out there who i follow who i don't often get to watch a lot of yeah you know i, I like i go to frasley stream to watch him because i work with him a lot uh, i get on with him and his community and it's it's really easy to just sit and chat to him just trying to sit in an, an s fan stream when he's got like six thousand people just blitzing the chat it's it, he's he's a really funny guy but because, and I think it was pretty uh, a pretty big thing of the previous Race to World First, the Crucible of Storms, where everything was on the upcoming to Classic WoW, and it's just like the minute they because they were just heavily pushing Classic WoW, I just couldn't deal with it. Okay, like, um, but it's different strokes for different folks. Everybody's got their content creator that they would like to watch. I'm sure there's guys that knew the content creators that were commentating for uh limit yeah. and everything else yeah i mean that they dratnos, is, dratnos is well known titles is well known aya does is actually doing i think mdi or this weekend right um for me limit it was there was there was method i liked method because it was like you're hanging out on the couch with guys and like talking about what's going on and that was a lot of fun and then when i went to complexities uh stream it was more like we're doing a professional casting desk and it was very consistent, like play by play. Now they cut up as well and they had the couch stuff, but I thought as the race went on, the complexity stream got better and better. And I, 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 I bounced back and forth between the two. Um, like I said, there were certain hosts on the method stream I would go watch, but then I would bounce back to complexities because I like the commentary. But what about you, Frasley? What do you prefer, comms or? Uh, I actually... Commentary? I would say the, the the commentary because if if I if I don't understand the, the mechanics, I'd appreciate somebody like explaining it. It's yeah, it's one it's one reason why I like BlizzCon. I enjoyed it when they would explain things on there. But but I actually did not watch a lot of it because I'm more of a streamer that watches the smaller streamers. I I like yeah. being able to interact with them, and that's. But I mean, from you wanting to listen to commentary, I assume that's because. You're, you don't do a lot of raiding exactly of, yeah and so content makes sense and, if i was raiding i would enjoy the comms like when i've been on a raid team i've enjoyed hearing 
what the rate team's saying because it's been helped me understand. But a lot of rate teams is very like jargonish. I, I find because because you're in the middle. Okay. Of, whereas at least commentary, you 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 get the humor, right? Yeah, I I think it's something to be said about the MDI as well. Um, like the the MDI is a curious beast because I whenever I do mythic plus myself, I always enjoy chatting bullshit with my friends you know and i think yeah. i think that's part of the good thing that like keeps us just doing mythic plus just in general like whatever key level whether it's alts or mains but watching someone commentate on over it especially when they've got someone that doesn't really know and i feel like especially with the way the mdi is going at the moment i feel it could work a lot better if they reduce the amount of casters for it and treated it very much and i'm gonna i'm gonna do the same thing that i used with my guild and i say they should condense the commentary to a play-by-play and a color just one of each and then have an in-depth look at the dungeon i think they did it with the legion ones but they mm-hmm. between runs when they were setting up they had someone that looked in-depth for what strategies they could use for like the dungeons or the sort of builds they could use I think it just feels like there's a lot of voices talking. Part about of the issue, so there are some cases where they'll have like five of them around, like after the match, and they'll have five people all kind of going back and forth. But I think what they've really done is they've tried to model it off of some of the other professional sports, like with the NFL. Like the, before the game starts, you got five guys on CBS that are going to talk, and then during the game, you got the two. But I think the other issue you run into is there, the MDI and the AWC, like the day is really long like you're talking what eight to ten hours of 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 oh, going yeah. it's, where it's like it's like watching race of world first and expecting two people to be on yeah the yeah it's it, not gonna it's happen good to have people to rotate between and they do that at blizzcon too every year but yeah no absolutely um but i feel what you're saying like it feels like you can get a lot it feels like there's some inconsistency and that's actually what i was talking about with the method channel like depending on the personality you got like it was a totally different cast which, oh, absolutely. Well, not not necessarily in a negative way, but so many voices, like you're not getting a consistent experience across the whole event. Um, yeah, like some personalities treated it like a normal Twitch, like they were streaming, yeah, just conversing with the chat, which isn't a bad thing, especially in like the dead times that you were talking about. Oh, and it's, I mean, I love Rich. I mean, that's some good stuff. <laughs> Rich, Rich is, <laughs> I, I get, I get his personality, You're but it's not favorite. what I really mesh with. That's so, fine. um. <laughs> But I love maybe his I passion, guess, man. That's the thing I love about him most. <laughs> Debatable. Anyway, I think he, I think he. No, they're all very handsome gentlemen. I will not give it that. They don't. They don't hold a candle to yourself, though. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, but we're going to call it a day. Uh, Athelus, if they want to find you around the internet and they don't yeah. know who you are, where could they find you? Yeah, a couple places. So um, first and foremost, Warcraft Radio, we're everywhere. Uh, So Twitter slash Warcraft Radio, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, We've got an Instagram and a Discord as well, warcraftradio.com. And then myself personally, uh, at Gareth Kales, uh, G-A-R-E-T-H-C-A-L-E-S. No one I can ever spell that correctly. I don't have a simple name. Uh, But over on... uh, Above your name. You do. That's good. Because it's a video. (laughs) It's a video. Anyway, it's right there. But uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, um, and then I'm, you know, occasionally we do a show on Sunday at three o'clock Eastern. I don't know if we'll do one this week or not, but um, the show that I primarily work on is Heart of Azeroth. Uh, so we'll see. We might rebrand it something Shadowlands themed soon. Don't know yet. Uh, I'm 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 currently working on all of my assets for Shadowlands theming at the moment. I've nice. showed Frasley some of the stuff I'm playing. With it looks it, so. nice. It's pretty in depth at the moment. Very cool. Very cool. And just for the record. Um, you had a little alliance symbol under my name this whole time. That is inaccurate. And look, Mephisto said the same thing. All right, like, there's only so much I can do. There's Very only much so a board many player. Uh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know I needed to let you know that ahead of time. So you know. To be fair, it's not a question I really ask anybody. I, 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 may, I, I just you have just a, assume. It's gonna, it's gonna be changed for the Shadowlands theme. All right. Like, yeah. Don't worry about that. It's, it's all stuff that's a work in progress. All right, Mister Frasley. Where can they find you around the internet? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter to see when I, when I do stuff at uh, Frazzlytastic. You can hear my podcast, Frazzlycast, every week at gnomepodcast.com. Uh, uh, so, like, different people from the community, like, like this week is Vel, and uh, it was, that was a fun time. And then you can find my shenanigans at gnome.live, where I will do things. I'll eat spicy beans, eat uh, bean boozled. I'll, I'll uh, feed my cat 
treats and then have my cat look my hands because it's like, oh, want more. I'm like, I can't give me more <laughs> this than that. I'm like, can I grow one trying to do irons? This this man now has a more complicated camera set up for his goddamn cat than <laughs> I do at home. I, I now added a, a mount for the for the uh, for the the cat cam, but then I also got a desk cam and the That's cat awesome. on the desk. That's awesome. Insane. He's he's the like, true star of the, of the of the stream, not me. It's the cat. People come. Yeah, it's disgraceful. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you can find me at Titans Creed on my main Twitter account at Gaming Phoenix. If you just want the YouTube videos and streams, otherwise, you can find uh, the podcast in video form over on YouTube.com/slash Project Phoenix Productions, as well as loads of the other projects I'm working on. You can find Twitch streams like this or some of the other games that I play on Twitch.tv/slash Project Phoenix Productions, and the audio version will be out on Wednesday on all good podcast catchers. We are done for the day. I'm gotta go get do more work getting set up for the charity stream in June, which is gonna be nutty and insane again. We're looking at maybe doing a three-day one this year. It's going to be crazy fun. Keep an eye on all the good socials for that. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for Frasley as always for joining me. Thank you very much to Athelus from Warcraft Radio for joining us. It's been an absolute blast and just my pleasure. Shooting the breeze. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, this has been Stories Around Azeroth, as Mr. Frasley always likes to say. Be awesome.